my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 63 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. We have a great show for you today, and yet again, the Ohio State women's hockey team and head coach Nadine Muzzerall make a monster signing that we will have to talk about in this episode. And then we've had an amazing first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs that also need to be discussed as well. So we're going to get into everything you need to know regarding that, and then we will get into the rapid headlines and college corners. So without further ado, let's get right into this week's focus, discussing the Ohio State women's hockey team signing of Kiara Zanin, and then we will discuss the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's get into the rapid headlines in College Corner here on 614 Check. And it's just another day of us talking about a monster signing that the Ohio State women's hockey team uh, were able to add to their team as they add for Kiara Zanin from the Penn State Nittany Lions. She signed a national letter of intent ahead of the 2023-24 season. And Zanin comes to Ohio State after three seasons at Penn State, she's from Fairport, New York. She's a two-time CHA Player of the Year. She was named a Patty Kazmaier Top 10 Finalist this past year. And this past season had a team-high 49 points, 26 goals, and led the Nittany Lions to their first-ever NCAA Tournament appearance, scored the team's first-ever NCAA Tournament goal um, that I actually was on the call for and called that game. Uh, and I can just tell you from watching her play in that one game and broadcasting that game when Penn State played Quinnipiac, she is an unbelievable player with a lot of talent and it brings a lot to this Buckeyes team. And again, I'm not always sure how the fifth year works with the COVID year, but I do believe that her year, uh, she will be coming in as a senior. Uh, she will have one more year as well. So this is two years of her coming to the Ohio State Buckeyes if she does, in fact, want to use uh, that extra year of eligibility. Uh, and she was also a 2022 U.S. Collegiate Select Team for the series versus Canada. Uh, she played on Team USA uh, for the U18 team at the 2019 and 2020 IHF World Championships. Uh, and basically, Kiara Zanin is such a skilled player. And when I was watching her play, it was the speed and everything she was bringing to the game. Her speed, her skillfulness, her vision on the ice, everything was top-tier caliber. And this was a really surprising signing when we had uh, Ann Tokarski on the show just a few weeks ago on our last 614 Jake episode. Kiara Zanin wasn't even an option. She was not in the transfer portal to our knowledge until she joined the transfer portal yesterday uh, when I'm recording this podcast on Tuesday. So she joined uh, to the public's knowledge on May 1st and then uh, signed with the Buckeyes that same day. Um, so definitely a crazy signing. And this just adds to a crazy transfer portal for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And of course, they have Caleb Barnes, Hannah Bilka, Kelsey King, and Stephanie Markowski. They're bringing in an additional three forwards, which they lost three fifth years of in the forward position of Emma Malte, Peyton Levis, and, uh, of course, Gabby Rosenthal. So you are definitely filling up 
in those positions with three very skilled players. You then have a ton of freshmen coming in as well. And then you also have, of course, Markowski uh, and Bilka, uh, who are going to be in the defense there. So a lot of great additions for this Buckeyes team. Uh, I, you know, you never know uh, with head coach Nadine Mazarell and this Buckeyes team if they are done, um, but if they don't add before May 16th when the NCAA Women's Hockey Transfer Portal closes, um, you know, I wouldn't uh, be uh, shocked if this is the team that they currently have. But, of course, anything can happen and they can add some more players as well. Um, from the public transfer portal, it still looks like... Uh, the two players remaining for the Ohio State Buckeyes that are transferring out that have not found homes are Jamie Grinder and Golly Levy. Um, so they could potentially come back to the Buckeyes as well if that happens. Or, um, of course, there is still a few weeks for them to find a new home in the portal as well. So we're going to continue to monitor this situation, see how it all plays out. But again, Kiara Zanin is such a huge signing for this Buckeyes team. And, you know, it's hard to compare Buckeye teams year after year. But this is a team that's going to be extremely competitive. Another preseason favorite for the national championship. I mean, it really seems like... After being runners-up in the national championship this year, Coach Nadine Muzrell definitely felt like they needed to try even more and continue to push and push and weren't satisfied with that at all, uh, which does not shock me whatsoever that they weren't satisfied with that because with Coach Muzrell and once you get that taste of success and victory and winning the national championship, you want it again and again, and that's what the Buckeyes are going to try and do this year with Kiara Zanin. Uh, again, such a great signing for this Buckeyes team. Uh, so skillful, and I'm really glad, you know, some of the other uh, players that are coming in, um, besides Kelsey King, who, of course, played in the WCHA last year, um, you know, it's hard to see how all those players are playing all the time because I'm not seeing them in person. Um, but when I saw Kiara Zanin play, uh, very, very skillful player and going to be a huge addition to this Buckeyes team. And again, like I said, the speed, the skillful of a play, great shot, everything like that, and going to mesh well into this high offense Buckeye team. Now, I do have to mention at the same time, uh, it's a huge loss for the Penn State Nittany Lions, a team that got in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever, uh, and now losing arguably their best player, one of their best players on the team, um, because, of course, Tessa Janicki had a great season with them as well. But that's a huge loss, especially for this Nittany Lions team, which is starting to finally have some success in their organization. Um, obviously, Tessa Janicki still going to be there, but losing Kiara Zanin uh, is really tough for them. And, of course, hopefully uh, as we go through the season uh, next year, we'll be able to find out how this all came to fruition, why Zanin wanted to transfer and all those things like that. Um, but definitely a really big signing, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out as well. So that's going to be it for the Ohio State women's hockey team. Uh, when we're talking about the men's hockey team, they've had uh, some transfer action as well. Tyler Duke, um, he has transferred from Ohio State to Michigan. Uh, again, Tyler Duke transferring to Michigan, which was a huge shock. Uh, something that I was not expecting whatsoever. He's going to play with his brother Dylan Duke in Michigan. Uh, and that's just something right there that's 
just a big thing when you look at the Ohio State Buckeye men's hockey team. Basically, like their whole defensive core uh, transferred out or went pro. Uh, you have Lori, of course, and um, Cole McCord, which were big players there in the defense going pro. And Tyler Duke was a big part of that defense that was still intact. Um, but now they're losing him as well. He was an unbelievable player as a freshman for them this year, so a huge loss. Uh, and as of this moment in time, there are some still a lot of time compared to the women's hockey transfer portal just because their season uh, for men's hockey, their portal opened up much later. Um, so still a lot of time for the Buckeyes to make some action in the transfer portal. Um, but we do know there have been six additions for the men's hockey team so far. Um, again, this isn't official because it's a little different as well. The women's hockey team announces every player they sign. Men's hockey hasn't had anything official from their team coming out. But according to um, the Rink Live, the Buckeyes have six additions. Jake Dunlap, a forward. Damian Carfanga, a defenseman from New Hampshire. And then you have Brett Johnson. Uh, he is a defenseman from North Dakota. Riley Hughes, a forward from Northeastern. Mason Clee, a defenseman from RPI. And Logan Turnus, a goaltender from UConn. And I think the Buckeyes could definitely use a goaltender after losing Yako Dobish there. So filling in some holes there, it's going to be a very, very different Ohio State men's hockey team next year. Uh, and there's still possibly going to be a lot of different changes as well as the portal continues to stay open so we're gonna see how it all plays out but now let's move on to the stanley cup playoffs the first round this was a really fun first round of the playoffs and you don't always know how it's going to turn out every single year but you had upsets overtime after overtime and so many great comebacks and wins and it was just a lot of fun to watch and i'm really excited for this second round as well well, let's start with the Western Conference. Um, this was a first series between the Golden Knights and Jets. And as we're going back, I remember myself and Ann Tukarski both uh, picked the Vegas Golden Knights in the series. And the Golden Knights, they didn't play well whatsoever in the first game in Vegas. They lost 5-1 to one against the Jets. But then they came back, won four straight, and really had a dominating series. Uh, Bourgeois had... Great goaltending for the Golden Knights as well, and really showing why I thought uh, when I said in the last episode that they were a very skillful team. I've always been hot on them in the playoffs. They're always uh, perform well, and the crowd's great in Vegas as well. And the Golden Knights definitely showed why they are a great team in the National Hockey League. Uh, 5 2 uh, against the Jets in game two, a 5 4 overtime win, a double overtime win in game three, and then a 4 2 and 4-1 victory in Game 4 and 5, respectively. This was just a Golden Knights team that the Jets did put up a good fight in the first game or two, but then, especially in Game 5 when they won 4-1, the Golden Knights, the Jets didn't seem like they had a lot of fight whatsoever. And that was pretty apparent, and of course, Rick Bonus, the coach for the Winnipeg Jets, he said that he didn't think his team uh, had a lot of fight or anything like that. Uh, in Game 5, and that was really apparent, uh, and I just think that the Golden Knights, they've had a lot of rest, and they'll be ready to go for the second round. 
Um, and the Golden Knights will be taking on the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers beating the Kings 4-2, uh, so in six games. Uh, and let's take a closer look at this series. The Kings winning the first game 4-3 in overtime. The Oilers then tying it 1-1 after their Game 2 victory, a 4-2 win there. And then Game 3, another overtime win for the LA Kings, 3-2. And then the Oilers came back in Game 4, tying the series 2-2. 5-4 in overtime. And then the Oilers, 6-3 victory in Game 5, 5-4 victory in Game 6. Uh, Jonas Corpusello played really well in the first four games or so, and then it started to seem like he wasn't having as mu getting as much help from his team. He started to struggle a little bit more, but I thought he played really well for the LA Kings. And, you know, it's very hard uh, if you're... Going against this Oilers team of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and all their offense as well. Dreisaitl was really strong in this series. Uh, and it just seemed like the Oilers and Kings, this was a much closer series than actually appeared. Uh, it, it should have been a seven-game series and not ended in six. Uh, it was a very close game six, of course. And I just thought this was a really fun series to watch. There were so many comebacks, everything like that. But the Oilers, at the end of the day, with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the rest of their squad, uh, played great. And Stuart Skinner, the goaltender for the Oilers, didn't have his best game all the time, um, but was still able to be strong for this Oilers team. So the Golden Knights and Oilers will take on each other in the second round. Uh, the second part of the Western Conference on the other side, of that conference. It was the Stars Wild. Um, that was a six-game series win for the Dallas Stars, winning the series 4-2. to two. Uh, And this was another series that seemed very close at the start and then start to go the Stars' way. The Stars it was the Wild who won the first game of the series in overtime uh, and really started to take control at the start double overtime 3-2 win uh and then all of a sudden the stars in game two really showed up 7-3 victory then the wild came back 5-1 in game three 3-2 stars victory in game four to tie the series but then the stars really took control 4-0 4-1 in games five and six respectively so this was Another great series, a lot of physicality, but ultimately Jake Ottinger, an unbelievable goaltender for the Dallas Stars, really helped them out and get this series win, and they have the star power there as well. Uh, from Robertson and Hintz and Sagan and Ben, and they're all so good on that team and really helped them, especially with Jake Ottinger there. Now, the Seattle Kraken and reigning Stanley Cup champions Colorado Avalanche this was a series I thought was going to be fun. I, I did choose the Avalanche because I did not think that the Seattle Kraken had um, the veteran caliber and the experience in the playoffs, but wow, was I wrong in this one. This was a really fun series, probably the most underrated series that a lot of people didn't think would be really exciting and fun, um, but I loved watching this series. Uh, there were so many close games, but also it was just... The speed and the physicality and everything going around this series was absolutely unbelievable. The Seattle Kraken won this series in seven games. The Kraken scored the first goal in every single game in this series. Uh, Kraken went up 3-1 in game one. Avs came back 3-2 victory in game two. But then the Avs in Seattle won 
Game 3, 6-4, the Kraken came back in overtime to hide the series at 2-2 with a 3-2 victory in Game 4. And then the Kraken won 3-2 in Game 5, 4-1 Avs win in Game 6, and then the Kraken responded with a 2-1 close game victory in Game 7. And it just seemed actually, of course, Oliver Bjorkstrand getting the two goals in Game 7 for the Kraken, former Columbus Blue Jacket. That the Kraken basically got for nothing um, because it had to be a salary cap dump for the Jackets once they got Johnny Gaudreau. Um, but I just think this was a fantastic series for the Seattle Kraken. I mean, they played like they were in the playoffs for a much longer time before. They were not phased that they were the reigning Stanley Cup champions of the Colorado Avalanche. They did not care. Um, this was their first taste of playoff hockey. They played really cohesive as a team. Philip Grubauer was unbelievable for the Seattle Kraken, especially in Game 7 against his former team. And it all comes together. We were just talking about the Stars, and that's another team. A lot of great players, and then you have fantastic goaltending, and that's what the Kraken did here as well. They had a lot of players coming in huge, uh, Bjorkstrand especially in Game 7, and great goaltending, uh, but just the physicality, the unwillingness to quit, and also going against the reigning Stanley Cup champions and scoring the first goal in all seven games is extremely impressive. And just showing that they were not phased by this whatsoever, that they continued to push through. And it was a really impressive series for the Seattle Kraken. I was definitely wrong that I didn't think they had the veteran caliber. Uh, it, they showed that even though maybe they didn't, they didn't need that to win the series. They just outwilled and powered uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champions that, you know, again, I said it was a fast series and really tight, but at certain times it did seem like the Avs didn't just have that oomph that they did last year. Uh, and, you know, definitely some injuries hurt them as well. Kale McCarr was suspended for a game um, due to a hit as well, which definitely hurt them. Landis Gog not there as well. Um, so definitely uh, some factors in why the Avs weren't the Avs that they were in the playoffs last year. Um, but nonetheless, a huge upset for the Seattle Kraken um, that a lot of people, uh, including myself, were not expecting. Um, but talking about things that we did not expect happening, let's move on to the Eastern Conference. This was mind-blowing. The Florida Panthers beating the record-setting Boston Bruins. Most wins in NHL history. Most points in NHL history. A 43-point spread between the number one Bruins and the second wildcard Florida Panthers. Uh, and it was just a crazy series. I, I don't know even else how to describe it. It just seemed like Boston, you know, with all these record settings and the Panthers who barely got into the playoffs, it was really tight, reminiscent of a Tampa Columbus Blue Jacket series. And you can go debate back and forth, which was more impressive, crazy or disappointing or whatever. But you got to ex experience and appreciate all of them for what they were uh, in separate series. But the Bruins were up 3-1, and then the Florida Panthers were just unbelievable down the stretch, winning Game 5, 6, and 7. Uh, so Game 1 was won by the Bruins 3-1, and seemed right away you were like, okay, this series is probably going to go as most people expected. Um, I believe I took the 
Bruins in six games. I did think that the Panthers were going to be able to fight, but to win at game seven and win the series, that was unexpected for me. Um, but it just seemed game one, it was as expected. The Bruins didn't have Patrice Bergeron, though, but they still played really well. And then it was the Panthers who responded in a huge way in game two at TD Garden, winning 6-3. And then you're like, okay, the Panthers are showing a lot of fight here. They are not giving up. And then all of a sudden, it continued to get more. Bruins won game three, four to two in Florida. And then the Bruins won again, six to two in game four, both games at FLA Live Arena. And that's a huge gut punch to this Panthers team, um, losing both of their games at home and down 3-1 in the series. And at that point, you were like, okay, the Panthers, they showed some fight, but it's just going to go the Bruins' way, but that is where the character of the Florida Panthers, in my opinion, really showed in this series. I mean, the unwillingness to quit. 4-3 overtime game in Game 5 to keep their season alive in TD Garden in Boston. Game 6, 7-5 whopping victory for the Panthers in a 7-goal uh, third period that the Bruins had the lead a few times, and the Panthers just kept going back and forth and back and forth uh, and were able to get that victory. And then the Panthers in Game 7, they were down 3-2, to two, exactly one minute left in the third period. Brendan Montour tied the game. We go to overtime, and who else but Carter Verhage getting his second series-winning goal in the past two years for Hagee getting the OT winner at 8.35 into the first overtime period. So this was an unbelievable series because of the Panthers' unwillingness to quit. In any situation they were in, whether it was in the series down 3-1 or in the game, even in game 7 down um, 3-2 with the final almost one minute away, they were going to lose that series. Uh, so unwillingness to quit and everyone just completely, you have to have a strong mindset in the locker room, in the team, that you're going to win that game and do special things. And if you have the belief, you can do a lot of things. Uh, we always remember John Tortorella uh, with the Blue Jackets against the Tampa Lightning. His quote, it's a mindset of believing um, with a few uh, curse words he had in there as well, but it's that's what it's about. If you in the team believe that you're going to have that victory, you can do a lot of dangerous things. You know, the Panthers had shirts that said lead dogs uh, instead of underdogs and give them that self the mindset, and they played uh, unbelievable because of that belief, and there were so many different factors. Alex Lyons started that series, and then you had the Florida Panthers deciding to take um, and bring Sergei Bobrovsky in, who had experience beating a President's Trophy and record-setting team before when he was with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Again, an unbelievable player, too, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, this guy was all over um, this Boston Bruins team in front of the net. Uh, the overtime winner, Jeremy Swayman, could not see a thing of Carter Verhage's shot just due to Matthew Kachuk's net front presence. He has amazing goals in between the legs, all these different things skill-wise. Uh, and then his vision on the ice is unbelievable as well. But then his physicality uh, and getting in front of the goaltenders, agitating players, getting those bumps and bruises on the Boston Bruins team uh, and, and wearing them down uh, and... 
when you have a player like Matthew Kachuk, the longer the series go, the better you're going to be because he's going to be wearing down the other team and their goaltender. Uh, and Matthew Kachuk also just, what a big, great guy for the locker room as well, showing that belief in Game 5 after winning that one. He said, we're going to be back here for Game 7 and guaranteeing those type of things and bringing that into the locker room, really important as well. And, and he was such an X-factor in this series. I mean, Brendan Montour also had an unbelievable series as well, uh, tying it and having another goal. It, it was just crazy. Um, But I think also what really showed is, you know, I continue to say the unwillingness to quit, Um, but Game 7 was just a really good example of that. They played an unbelievable first two periods, the Panthers, and then the Bruins uh, really turned it on in the third, got the lead. And once you play a really good first two periods and the other team takes the lead in the third, you lose all your gas. You're starting to not feel great about yourselves. But then, all of a sudden, you know, the Panthers, even though they lost all the momentum and were down in the game, fired away until the last second and were able to get that tying goal in the last minute of regulation. And once it went into overtime, you really felt like the Panthers played lights out in overtime, and you could feel like it was coming. Matthew Kachuk on breakaway. Somehow the series didn't end on that. Um, but, you know, continuing to go through, and I talked about the goaltending as well. It was Brad Marchand in Game 5 that almost won the series for the Bruins. Um before that overtime period, and Sergei Bobrovsky made an unbelievable save as well. Um, so all those different pieces coming together was so important for this um, Florida Panthers team, and I'm excited to see uh, where they go in the future, taking on another surprise win, at least in my book, because I had the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the series, and Tukarski, credit to her, she picked the Leafs. Um, but the Lightning played... A crazy game in Game 1, 7-3 victory against the Leafs, but then the Leafs did the same exact thing to the Lightning in Game 2, winning 7-2, Leafs then winning in overtime 4-3 in Game 3, Game 4, 5-4 in overtime, and then the Leafs weren't able to close it out in Game 5 with a 4-2 Lightning victory, but in Game 6 in Tampa, able to get the overtime win, John Tavares 2-1 victory against the lightning there. So really impressive stuff for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It just didn't seem, first of all, Andre Vasilevsky for the lightning didn't have the best series possible. And there were a lot of other factors, Um, but I think the Maple Leafs just, they wanted it this year. You could really sense and they didn't want uh, that game seven. Uh, you could feel it in that overtime period. The Leafs were cycling the puck and getting every single shot opportunity on net uh, and went before Tavares was able to get the series winning goal. Um, But overall, I, I just think it was really impressive. You finally found that killer instinct from the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Lightning just looked like a tired, uninspired team at certain parts in this series, and the, and the Leafs really took advantage of that. Um, and now you have these shackles off, the curse of 19 years is over, and I definitely think the Leafs are going to try and make some damage in the second round, finally making a pass since they last won a series in 2004. Um, I wasn't even born yet, uh, the last time 
the Leafs won a playoff series. So that was absolutely ridiculous that this finally happened. Uh, and I said, look, I wasn't going to choose the Leafs until I, I they ever you know, won a series and show, proved me wrong. And they did here. Uh, and I think the Panthers-Leafs, that's going to be one heck of a series. Let's move on to the rest of the playoffs in the first round. Carolina and New York. This was a series I'll talk about briefly, but I wasn't really surprised here. The Kings just played their game, and the Islanders just got outplayed. Um, Hurricanes winning in six games there, uh, and that was just a good series for the Hurricanes overall. Uh, but now moving on, New Jersey, New York. This was a pretty wild series as well, going into seven games. The Devils winning uh, the series in seven, uh, and it was the Rangers going up 2 nothing. Uh, and then the Devils tying it after games three and four victories for them on the road. And that's when the series started to go the Devils' way. They won game five, uh, they lost game six, and then went to seven games. And an astounding 4 nothing victory in game seven. The Rangers just didn't really show up for this game. The only player that did was Igor Shosturkin. Um, and you got a feel for the guy. I mean, his entire team didn't really play that well, and he was the only one who showed up. He's arguably the best or one of the best goaltenders in the NHL and continuing to get let down by the team there. And that just shows you, I mean, they had Lafreniere and Artemi Panarin. They got Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, and they have Adam Fox, who's playing unbelievable, and you have Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider and... So many great players, and they still weren't able to get it done. The Devils looked very tight defensively. They had a ton of speed, especially in Game 7, where Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, and all the other players, Timo Meyer and everyone else. Eric Halla had four goals in the series uh, and played really well as well. Um, So all of that combining, the Devils didn't give up after being down 2 nothing. came back, Played a great series, and now you got to add some question marks for this Rangers team. Is Jared Gallant going to be the coach of their team next year? If not, and if they do fire him, could that potentially be a candidate for the Columbus Blue Jackets position? That's a great question as well. Um, So there's a lot of questions up in the air. What's going to happen to Patrick Keane and Tarasenko? Where will they all end up? So that's going to be interesting, but the Rangers definitely underperformed for where I thought they were going to be. I mean, I, I felt like their pieces of Tarasenko and Kane and everyone around with Shesterkin was just going to come away with it. And even though the goaltending for the Devils, you know, not a lot there for they had Vanacek. And then in Game 7, uh, Vanacek started in Game 1, of course, but then you had Schmid, uh, Akira Schmid, a, a rookie, you know, playing unbelievable in a Game 7, not looking phased whatsoever. Uh, so that was really impressive as well. Um, so that is the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, amazing series. Overall, a lot of great overtimes, great games, and great comebacks. So now it's time to start talking about the second round. Let's start in the Western Conference. Golden Knights Oilers um game 1 will be taking place on Wednesday night uh 9:30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Um and this is going to be a really fun series. I think obviously I still had uh I'm 
I predicted this series, and I'm going to stick with the Oilers because that's what I chose, and I chose the Oilers to win the Cup. I, I, I think... If the Golden Knights want to win the series, they're going to have to have unbelievable goaltending again from Boussois and a lot of tight defense, uh, which is going to be a big test for them. And the Oilers just going to continue doing what they did against the LA Kings. And it could be a very similar series of the Kings-Oilers first round. I definitely think this one could end in around six or seven games. It's going to be a tight series. Uh, and moving on to the Stars Kraken, uh, you know, I do really like the Kraken and how they played against the Avalanche, but I do still think Jake Ottinger's been unbelievable for the Dallas Stars. I mean, he has just played so well, and the rest of the Dallas Stars team are so strong and have the offensive and star power. But I do think the Stars are ultimately going to win this series, but this Kraken will also put up a really good fight. And if they end up winning the series, I, I'm not going to be shocked. And same with the Golden Knights. Oilers, I feel like all of these series could really be coin flips in the second round. Um, but I do think ultimately it will be the Stars. This could be 6 or 7 as well. Uh, and I think this one will ultimately go 6 games. I'm tempted to say 7, but I'm going to stick with 6 right now. Um, overall, going into the Eastern Conference, let's start with the Kings Devils. Um, oh, and also the Stars Kraken. That will start... Tonight, when you're listening to this episode on Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes and New Jersey Devils. Uh, that will start on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Canes, Devils, that's going to be a great series as well. I think all of these series in the second round are going to go the distance. Um, this one's a tight one, but I think just because of the really tightness uh, and rest from the Carolina Hurricanes and how great they are on the forecheck and physicality-wise. I'm going to take them in seven games. I think this will go on a long series as well. Um, Now, a really intriguing series, something that I don't think any of us expected, a Panthers-Leafs game in series in the second round starting tonight, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Look, this is going to be a really fun series. For anyone who's a Leafs fan or just completely writing off the Panthers right away, it's like, did you not just see what they did against the Boston Bruins? And then everyone's making such a big deal that the Panthers are, you know, restricted for the first day. Uh, Canadian citizens not be able to buy tickets. And everyone's making a big deal about it. Look, they've done this in the NHL a lot before. Uh, the Predators restricted Chicago uh, Chicago Blackhawk fans from buying tickets before as well. And it's only on the original ticket sale price, not for resale as well. Um, so again, I just think that's a little bit of an overreaction. They're now going to be able to buy tickets. They want to give an opportunity to, um, people in the U S first, which is understandable, uh, especially because it's still probably cheaper for Leaf fans to buy resale tickets, get a flight and hotel to the U S and Florida, um, before paying a ticket and staying in Toronto, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I think this is going to be a really close series. Um, Matthew Kachuk is going to be the X factor for me. The goaltending is really interesting. I'm not sure who's going to be starting for the Florida Panthers. Uh, I thought it was going to be Bobrovsky, and then there are reports from Chris Johnston today um, of TSN saying that Alex Lyon left the 
practiced first, um, which sometimes signifies the starter um, for the game. So I don't know how that's going to turn out. It's going to be really intriguing. Uh, and I'm excited to see how the Leafs play without the shackles of not being able to get past the first round anymore. Are they going to play really loose or are they going to be more nervous because they haven't been in a situation like this before? I personally am going, it's a really tight of what happens, but I just think that the Florida Panthers definitely can win this series. I think this is going to go to seven games. Um, it's going to be a really unbelievable series. Uh, and there's going to be ebbs and flows. Whoever wins game one and game two, I, I don't even really am going to look at that that much because just the quit from both these teams, but especially the Florida Panthers, it's hard to bet against them right now uh, when you know after seeing how they played against the Bruins that they are never out of it and always going to continue to play really well. Um, so that's what I'm going to choose right there. I'm going to take the Florida Panthers in seven games. Um, but again, I thought all of these series in the second round could be coin flips, and I could be wrong. The Leafs, you know, I think anyone has a really easy pass to the Stanley Cup playoffs right now because it's wide open. And I think any one of these teams could win the Stanley Cup. I can't wait to see who it is in the near future. But the second round, I'm hoping for a lot of more overtimes and long series and Game 7s and Game 7 overtimes are a lot of fun as well, uh, and we're going to see how it all plays out. But I just think uh, with the Panthers right now, their inability to quit, they're continuing to push in their mindset. That's going to be really strong for them. Uh, and the defense for Toronto, it's looked shaky here and there. Um, so, And right now they're going on a 12-6 uh, ratio right now with their lineup instead of 11-7, which they did against the Leafs a few times, or against the Lightning a few times, so we will see how it turns out. But those are my predictions, uh, and I'm excited to see how this series uh, and all four of these different games and series in the second round turn out, and we will see how it ends up shaping up for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So that's going to be it for this week's Focus, and without further ado, let's get right into the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. Let's now get into the Rapid Headlines and College Corner here on 614 Check. So NHL second round schedule just came out, and we do know now that the NHL Draft Lottery will now take place at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, May 8th. So this coming Monday, a huge day for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the future of their team. Uh, it's going to all come down to some lottery balls and combinations. And again, Connor Bedard up for grabs. And the Blue Jackets have the second best odds. Um, but they are guaranteed a top four pick. So we will see how that turns out next week. Let's get into a few other things. Daryl Sutton, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, has been fired. Uh, and he still has two years left of his contract. So that will be paid for. Um, but of course, this means um, the potential that Daryl Sutter is now a free agent in the coaching sphere and could potentially be an option for the Blue Jackets. We do know that Patrick Laine will represent Finland at the upcoming IIHF Worlds in Tempere, Finland and Riga, Latvia. 
We also know, of course, that Anna Wilgren uh, has transferred to the Wisconsin Badgers. Big pickup for the Badgers there. We also know as well that Alexander Textier will be returning to the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise next season. We also know, uh, according to the Ohio State Women's Hockey Twitter, it does look like Ramsey Parent also had part of the senior gala and sending the seniors off, so it is possible that Ramsey Parent may not return to the Ohio State Women's Hockey team next year, but don't have confirmation of that right now. That is just based on the picture from the Twitter of the Ohio State Women's Ice Hockey team. So that's going to be it here for the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. So without further ado, let's get right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed episode 63 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. And it was great to talk about the Ohio State women's hockey team and their huge transfer and Kiara Zanin. And then just talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs, which have been unbelievable and are going to start in just a few hours in the U.S. and Canada. I uh, can't wait to see how it all turns out. So make sure we'll stay tuned here. Episode 64 next week, uh, which will be recapping the NHL draft lottery. So episodes usually come out on Mondays. We will do one on Tuesday after the draft lottery. So stay tuned for that. So without further ado, my name's Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you on episode 64 of 614 Check. Thanks.